Good morning, everyone. I hope you're having a great day today. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, today is Thursday, June 25th, and we are looking at the song What a Wonderful World by the legend Louis Armstrong. Louis Armstrong wrote this. Uh, I don't know, actually, he didn't write it, but he um, he released the song in 1967, so 53 years ago. Uh, it's a song that very popular song, one of the most popular songs probably the last 50 years. Uh, what a wonderful world! And so we're going to take a look at it today from a Christian perspective. There has been so much negativity in the world. There's so much brokenness, so much sin disease, natural disasters. Mexico got hit with an earthquake this week. And so we look at the world and we say, wow, what a bad place. But, but we have to remember that the world the world is a wonderful place. And so we are going to take a look at this song from a Christian perspective, use some Bible verses uh, so that we can look at the world. Uh, not, I mean, it's, it's full of brokenness and all that. Absolutely. But it's also full of wonder, and it is a wonderful place. So we're going to take a look at that song today from a Christian perspective. Okay, so we will jump into the first verse, the first and second verses. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue and clouds of white. The bright blessed day, the dark sacred night, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. So the first Bible verse that I went to, Psalm 145, verse 5. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. I will meditate. I will look at the, the glorious splendor of your majesty and the things that you have created, your wondrous works, and I will meditate. I will reflect I think that's an important part of life that so few of us take the time to do, to meditate or reflect on the wonder and beauty of the world, to take a look at the world and say, wow, look at that. How did that, how did that thing happen? How did that thing get made? You know, you go to the Grand Canyon and you, you just see the mountains or you see the sunset over the, you know, over the a giant lake or the ocean and you think that that's beautiful. But do we often, do we take the time to reflect and say, man, uh, God made that, you know, that this is a certain way for a certain reason. This is the work. This is the work of God. You know, God's fingerprints are all over the world. Everything beautiful that we see. And one of the things that we struggle with as Americans specifically is that we are workers. And so it's hard for us to take Sabbath time. And so I gave a sermon a couple of years ago about Sabbath and how some of the things that we can do when we take Sabbath time will rest. You know, I've always said, take a nap for Jesus on the Sabbath. It's, you know, it's important to rest your body to reconnect with God in worship, to come to worship, to praise God, to pray, all that stuff. But then take some time to reflect on the week, to reflect on your life, to think about all the things, you know, how did how did all these good things happen to us? How did all this these beautiful things happen in the world? Well, th- it's the fingerprints of God, God working in the world, God working in our lives. And so, you know, you, you look at some of the great art, some of the, obviously this song came from somebody who sat down and was reflecting on the world, right? The, looking around and saying, Man, all this beauty, all this, this is a wonderful world wonderful world. And we we so often don't take the time to do that, to look around and to find the wonderfulness of the world that we live in, to find the wonder and the beauty and all that stuff. It is there in front of us. Romans 1 verse 20, Paul writes, for since the creation of the world, 
God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. God's visible qualities are obvious if you look around. If you look around at nature, you will see God's eternal power and divine nature. God's fingerprints are everywhere around us. Paul says that if you ha- if you take the time to look around and reflect on what you see and the beauty of creation, the beauty in the, in the giant expanses of, of mountains and, and canyons and oceans and in the tiny snowflakes and, the, you know, the, the, the intricate details of the tiny, you will come away from that saying, wow, God is pretty, God is pretty incredible. That is pretty, God is pretty incredible. That is pretty incredible. So we look and we say, what a wonderful world just based on what has been created around us right? We have all the food we need that comes from the earth and all the thing, you know, all that. What a wonderful world. It is all provided by and made by the fingerprints of, you know, the work of God. The fingerprints of God are everywhere. So what a wonderful world. Thanks be to God for that. So then we'll continue. He says, the colors of the rainbow so pretty in the sky. Uh, the colors of the rainbow. It's, I'm reminded of Psalm 139, 14. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Fearfully and wonderfully made. The idea that we can see the different colors of the rainbow. I mean, what well, is rainbow is seven colors. Uh, but did you know that the average human eye can see about a million different shades of color? One million different shades of color. The average human eye. Not everybody can, and some can see much more than that. Uh, For some, for some people, the eye, the human eye is the key to proving that we were created by God and that we were, you know, did not evolve from something else. Matthew 6, 22, Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Uh, So here's where this, this gets really interesting to me, really interesting to me. Charles Darwin, Describe the eye as the greatest challenge to his theory of evolution. In On the Origin of Species, he wrote, To suppose that the eye, with all its inimitable contrivances, could have been formed by natural selection seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest degree. Page 190, if you want to look it up. On the Origin of Species, page 190, that the human eye could have been formed by natural selection seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest degree. So that the human eye has 130 million light sensitive rods and cones that convert light convert light into chemical impulses and these travel at a rate of a billion per second to the brain. That's how you see light. And so the problem for Darwin was how so many intricate components could have independently evolved to work together perfectly when if a single component of the 130 million didn't function perfectly, nothing would work at all. So Darwin says, yeah, it's silly. It's it's absurd in the highest degree to think that the human eye uh, was formed by natural selection. Uh, so the colors of the rainbow. Yeah, we look at the colors of the rainbow and we can see the different shades and we can see, I mean, how many different shades of pink and orange and blue and red and yellow you know, all and green, just so many different shades of everything. The fact that we can see 
all of that, that we have the ability to look at the, at the world that God created and see all the different colors that God has created. If we can see a million different shades of color, guess what that means? There's a million different shades of color. If there's a million different shades of color, then God created a million different things, all a different color. How incredible is that? How wonderful is that? I mean, that is absolutely astoundingly wonderful to think about uh, what God has created for us to see, for us to enjoy. I mean, that's just incredible beauty, incredible beauty. So then the next part, all the, the colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky, are also on the faces of people going by. The different colors of people that walk by. Diversity is a good thing. Diversity is a good thing. We have seen how diversity has led to bad things, right? Uh, that is something that we're struggling with as a nation right now, that that uh, diversity isn't seen as a good thing, but it's seen as a way to say, I'm more important than you and all, you know, that we, that, it, that's not what it's supposed to be like. Diversity is a good thing. Diversity is what heaven is going to be like. Revelation 7 verse 9, and after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands. I mean, diversity is going, it, heaven is going to be diverse. There are going to be people from all over the world, all different tribes, all different colors, all different everything. And no one is going to be more important than anyone else. We are all going to be there praising God together right? I mean, this is this is what heaven is going to be like. And so when we walk down the street and we see people of different colors, we see people, you know, that diversity is a good thing. Celebrate that. Learn from people uh, who grew up in different places with different cultures. It's an opportunity to have a broader understanding of who God is because God created them. God created, you know, their way of life. And so, you know, learn from that. The more we learn about one another, the more we get a bigger picture of the totality of who God is. Uh, and so it's such an important part uh, to, to our understanding of how, uh, of how God created each of us, but also how, how we can all grow to understand what the human experience is like. The totality of the human experience is bigger than just our story. It's bigger than just our lives, right? And so it's important that we understand that. Um, and then he says uh, the song, I see friends shaking hands saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. Uh, how powerful is that? How powerful is that? I mean, this is just, this is powerful. Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 31. We've all heard this one a bunch. Mark 12, 28 to 31. One of the teachers asked Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now, it's important that our neighbors know that they're loved. It's important that the people in our lives know that they are loved. But sometimes it's very awkward to say to somebody who isn't in your family, I love you, right? It's awkward to say that to a friend. It's, it, it can be awkward to say that to somebody who you're not related to. And sometimes it's even awkward to say it to somebody you're related to. Right, saying I love you could be awkward, but I love I just love this verse. I see friends saying, How do you do? They're really saying, I love you. Where I love you might be awkward, how are you isn't awkward. How are you is a way of saying I love you, though. It's a way of saying if you say how are you and you have a sincere desire to know how someone else is, 
If you're willing to listen to them, if you're willing to bear some of the burdens and struggles they're going through, just listen, not try to fix everything. Just listen to them and not do it, you know, not throwing stuff about yourself and say, oh, I, you know, I know how you feel. But just to listen to them, just to be there for them, just so that they know that you're there. That's, that's love. That's love in action. So when we say, how are you? We're saying, I love you. Now, Sometimes we say, how are you? And we really don't want to hear the answer, right? Because we're, we're, we're busy or we don't, you know, we just, we don't want to hear it. We don't have the time for it or we just want to listen. So, um, you know, but, but when we do say it with a sincere desire to know and a sincere willingness to listen and a sincere, you know, willingness to, to bear the burdens that others are, are struggling with, you know, that's, that's love. That's love in action. That's part of what our Stephen ministers do. Uh, that's love in action. And so, you know, the, the way that we can love our neighbor is say, how are you? Seriously, how are you doing? Are you okay? Right now is a very difficult time. A lot of people, everybody needs an outlet to share. You know, everyone needs someone who, who they can talk to. Everyone needs someone who they can unload on, right? And so we can be that for someone. And that's a way of saying, uh, that's a way of loving people. It's a way of saying, I love you. Okay, and then the rest of the song... I hear babies cry. I watch them grow. They'll learn much more than I'll never know. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Psalm 127 verses 3 through 5. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. I would say as a parent, nothing brings more joy than watching your child grow and discover, watching them figure things out, watching them learn, uh, watching their brain work, watching their eyes as they're thinking, uh, seeing them grow from from a little child who you know to to something dip, to to a toddler, and then you know continuing to grow, continuing to learn, continuing to figure things out. I mean, it just brings so much joy, and they'll learn so much. They'll learn much more than I'll never know. You know, we all hope our children will surpass us in knowledge. I mean, I, I hope that we all think that, or we all hope that 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 our children will come to a point where they learn more than we do, and they'll build on what we've built, and they'll do so much more than we've done. Uh, I mean, my daughter just turned five last week, right? And uh, we, we, I think it was might have been on her birthday. We went to McDonald's for lunch, and as we were pulling out, I said, oh, look, Caroline, two fire trucks. There were two fire trucks in the parking lot. Uh, the fire, firemen had parked it there and went into the restaurant, um, and she goes, Dad, Dad, th- those aren't two fire trucks. I was like, what are you talking about? Those are two fire trucks. She goes, no, Dad. One of those is a fire truck, and one of those is a fire engine. They're different. And I said, well, what makes them different? She said, look, one has a ladder. I I had no idea. I had no idea that there was a difference between a fire truck and a fire engine. And we pulled up next to them, and one said fire truck, and one said fire engine. And I learned something new. How neat is that to be taught something new by your five-year-old? I mean, as as parents, that, that brings me so it brings us so much joy to watch our children grow. What a wonderful world, this, the circle of life, you know, just to, to, to pass on what we know and then for them to build on that and that for them to grow. I mean, that's just, that is God at work. To see, to see the face of a little baby 
You know, I've this Facebook, uh, Facebook has these histories where you can go back and you can see the things you posted years ago. And I, I mean, I, I find myself doing that every day now, going to see what I posted about five years ago. My daughter was a newborn. So going back and look to see the pictures from then and to see, you know, when she just turned one and when she just turned two and to see how much she's grown, how much I miss my one-year-old, but also how much I love my five-year-old. You know, I mean, it's to watch her grow and to be a part of her growth has just been such a powerful, powerful experience. So anyway, uh, watching children grow is so great. Uh, Mark 10, I just, uh, Mark 10, 13 to 16. And they were bringing children to Jesus that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. And it's it's amazing how Jesus blesses our children and how our children are a blessing to us. They bless us with their with their joy, with their enthusiasm. Children are such a blessing, even when they are teenagers. Uh, even when they are teenagers, children are a blessing and all throughout life. Uh, so Thank God for children. Thank God for children. So we will stop there. Uh, Thank you again for joining me. Hope everyone has a wonderful day today. So we'll close with a quick word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your fingerprints, which are all around us. Open our hearts and eyes to see you everywhere. Uh, We thank you for all the many blessings in our lives, for creating us fearfully and wonderfully, for all the many things that our bodies are capable of doing, for the way we can see and hear and think, and uh, for the way we can uh, listen, listen to our neighbors and and share share the love that you have given us with them. Uh, We thank you for our children, and we pray that you would do everything that uh, you can to help keep our children safe and to help them grow and to be with us as we go through life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everyone have a great day and take good care of yourselves.